Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we will continue with the jinx. This is when it gets very serious. Jinx, you only joke. <laughs> Episode four, we go into the trial of the murder of Morris Black. And I love when they show pictures of Robert Dur- Durst in prison. He's posing like he's taking <laughs> gang photos. I know, yeah, he's like with all those dudes. Like he's like trying to, I, I was shocked he wasn't throwing hand signs, but he was definitely like mean <laughs> mugging. Yeah, he was trying to look tough. I was just like, uh, I'm pretty sure you bought those people. Yeah. The interviews with his lawyer, Dick DeGarren, is that what, how you pronounce it? I think so, yeah. He's funny. Simply because he has two matching cowboy hats sitting behind him. (laughs) Did you notice that? He was real Texan, okay? And it wasn't like they're on separate parts of the office. There was like one on the desk and then one like on a shelf behind the desk. They're matching hats. They were the same exact hats. He wears them to the courtroom. But why does he need two in his office? Like maybe one in the car, one in the office, but two within the same arm reach. I I feel like... just like some lawyers or businessmen keep like their like suit and tie or whatever in their office ready to go, like that's his attire, and he has to keep them like fresh and ready. <laughs> He's got to have those ten gallon hats. It was just weird. He's real. He's real. Real Texas. And the interviews with his other lawyer, Michael Ramsey, are just annoying because the dude whistles when he speaks <laughs> to the point my dogs were getting upset. It was bad. So, the state of Texas versus Robert Durst. Yeehaw. Robert is claiming he killed Morris Black in self-defense. Okay. And it was an accident. So, after they reopened the Kathy Durst case, he felt he needed to go on the run, which not sure why, when he didn't have anything to do with that. He just wanted to hide out. So I moved to Galveston. Yeah. <laughs> Disguised that's... as an old woman. No one goes to Galveston for anything like, no. And if Janine Pirro had kept her mouth shut, none of this would have happened. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I like how he's trying to blame me for this. Yeah, like, it's a great defense. If you hadn't talked, I would have had to murder this person. Yeah. Or, you know, just don't kill you want to go on the run. And then at that wig shop that he had, like, they went to that wig shop. They kind of, like, showed stuff around. And did you get Stan and Lisa from Love After Lockup? <laughs> yes. But he went through all this trouble of buying things and dressing as a woman. And turns out no one in Galveston gives a shit about who Robert Durst is. So soon after, he just goes out as himself. Yeah, he was like, eh, it was uncomfortable. Was like, Why would you not... Like, consider that when you're researching disguises. <laughs> Why, who decides to, like, be this one persona and be like, actually, you know what? I don't really like the dresses. The heels are a little bit too much. Like, <laughs> like. So September 17th, 2001, according to Robert, Morris received an eviction notice, went into Robert's bathroom, and fired off a gun. And he said he shot the eviction notice? Yeah, which didn't have a bullet hole in it. And Robert told him he needed to leave. You're going to tell that to a guy who just got so mad he shot an eviction notice. September 20th, Robert comes home and notices his television is on and Morris is sitting at his table. Morris comes at him holding the gun and they struggle for the gun and Morris is shot in the face, which is really convenient when the head isn't ever found. Yeah. I mean, I honestly 
Morris needed money, this is what I believe, and threatened to turn Robert in because Robert even told, like, admitted that, yeah, I told Morris who I was. Yeah, they were hanging out together. Yeah. They were going to coffee shops together. Because he's like, hey, why are you dressing as an old mute woman? And he's just like, oh, I, you know, I just want to avoid people in New York City and blah, 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 blah. So I feel like Morris was like, yeah, you know what, I need money. Notice. He's literally like, hey, I'm about to lose my place. I will turn you in if you don't give me money. And so he just shot Morris. And the eviction letters found without a bullet hole. So stop lying about stupid, provable shit. It's so dumb. I cannot believe the jurors. I just, I can't. I he, just am disgusted. He could have gone with the defense of, he knew who I was and was blackmailing me over it, so because he needed money and that's why he attacked me. Like, you could have gone with that. Yeah, just this idea that, like, he out of nowhere starts raging with a gun. Yeah. Like, Shoots this eviction notice and like, it was just... So they don't find a bullet hole in the bathroom where Morris supposedly shot the letter, but they do find one in the kitchen, you know, where he was possibly murdered, but definitely cut up. And I just don't understand why he even dismembered the body. He said it was too heavy to carry, but the apartment wasn't even under his name. Why didn't he just leave? And then why did he keep Morris's ID? Like it's, (sighs) and he's so calm when he describes cutting up the body. He got stoned and switched between an axe and a saw that he had and one that Morris had. He doesn't remember where he started first. I'm like, don't use somebody else's shit to cut up their body. (laughs) like terrible. Please, Heather, if you ever murder me, do not use my own possessions against me. Like, you are not to buy new tools. It's rude. Yeah, you didn't ask to borrow that shit. Just the way he talks about all of this with absolutely no emotion is chilling. He thinks he's so smart but doesn't even try to weigh these bags down or even pop a hole in the bag so that the water would fill in except he took the time to slice a hole in a bag presumed to be for the head or he made it look like the head was in there and fell out i don't know it's very well didn't he say that he went back and saw the bags floating and so he took the head well he said he saw they were floating so the one with the head he cut a hole in it but it didn't look like the cuts were even big enough for a head to fall out of them oh i thought that he was saying that he cut the bag and like took the head no, I thought he he was throwing them all in there, and then the last one was like the head, and he saw the others were floating. So then that's when he cut that bag. I thought he had like gone back, like before the police came. But he definitely had to get rid of the head because it would show it wasn't an accident. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm convinced that he took the head back with yeah, him. Yeah, he took the head and did something with it. But obviously the self-defense story worked for some people because the jury acquitted him of murder on November 11, 2003. This isn't about whether he chopped the body up. It's about whether he murdered him. And so they're like, well, that's true. He does admit that he chopped the body up. But he's saying it's self-defense. It's like, no. I am telling you right now, there is not a single person in this entire fucking world that like someone dies on accident and they're like let me chop this body up. Well, even the story he gave didn't make sense i could not believe that they were like uh he chopped him up he admits that but he didn't kill him so it's okay like you don't you're you're fine go home like what the fuck is wrong with you people but even he looked shocked by it yeah because <laughs> it's fucking outrageous that anyone would think that he didn't do anything and that one juror definitely had a crush on him she referred to him as bob and had stars in her eyes talking about how she felt he was speaking from the heart he doesn't have a heart weird she was like 
No one, absolutely no one who is innocent cuts a fucking body up. No one. The detective who originally found the body is heartbroken over this. It's even years later, and he's so upset that Morris didn't get justice that he stopped the interview to cry. Yeah, I was just like, oh, shit, man. Like, <laughs> he was just like, can we stop? And I was just like, oh, man, like, this tough detective guy is, yeah. like, going to cry a little bit. Like, that that's the dedication. It was job. rough. On December 21st, 2004... Robert pleads guilty to two counts of bail jumping and one count of evidence tampering for the dismemberment of Morris's body. As part of a plea bargain, he received a sentence of five years and was given credit for time served, requiring him to serve three years in prison. This part is... Durst was paroled on July 15, 2005. The rules of his release required him to stay near his home and permission was required to travel. That December, Durst made an unauthorized trip to the boarding house where Black had been killed and to a nearby shopping mall. At the mall, he ran into former Galveston trial judge Susan Chris, who, is, who had presided over his trial. Fucking idiot. Oh my God. So due to this incident, the Texas Board of Pardon and Paroles determined that Robert had violated the terms of his parole and returned him to jail. He was released again from custody on March 1st, 2006. Like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> Literally the worst. He's so stupid. Like, you could have as much money as you want, but if you're just dumb, or he just thinks he's so smart that nothing's going to happen to him, I don't understand. He common sense, that's for sure. So, episode five, he is back in New York City, baby! Oh, New York, New York. So, the Durst family wants nothing to do with Robert. He Surprise. is not mentioned at all. I do like the nephew who was like, it's kind of fucked up that my aunt has been missing all these years and everyone knows my uncle was involved and yet we just never acknowledge the situation. Yeah, he's just like, what the hell happened to my Aunt Kathy? And then I love that it goes to Robert who says that no one in the family thinks he had anything to do with Kathy's disappearance. <laughs> Dude. You should probably talk to that hired, nephew. They hired bodyguards yeah. against you. We like. go over notes taken by a private investigator who was working with his attorney in 1982, and he can't even keep his lies straight with this dude. In one interview, he says he called Kathy at their house, and another he says he called her from a public phone in a restaurant. And then in a third interview, he said he called her from a public phone while walking his dog. And it's not like these interviews are over months and years. These were, like, within three weeks. He's old, okay? <laughs> he, he's not that old. Stick with your fucking lies. It's insane. And then, of course, finding out the doorman was mistaken and he never even actually saw her enter the apartment building. That was, like, the one person he had. Right, that wasn't him. Yeah, and I feel bad for that nephew. <laughs> he's stuck with this Durst family and wants to know more about his Aunt Kathy that disappeared when he was 11 and the family just shuts down about it. Which, that's so sad. Like, he grew up knowing about her. Yeah. And now yeah, she's, she's just, gone, just gone, and nobody will even talk about her. And, of course, if they talked about it all these years later, they could be charged for hiding evidence or accessory. Yeah, so no, they're definitely never going to speak. And it's so fucking obvious the family thinks he did it or knows something about it. It makes so much more sense when instead of the company going to Robert, who is the eldest son, it goes to Douglas. Like, why else would Seymour do that? No, he totally skipped him for very good reasons because yeah. the man is fucking crazy. So at this point, Robert is just stalking his brother. 
they're outside the main Durst headquarters, I guess, and they're filming when a security guy comes over and questions them. And as soon as he sees Robert Durst, he kind of steps back, like he recognizes him. I feel like they have like a poster of him hanging up. In the or it could just because he's such a creepy looking dude. This guy's like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> they have like a poster of him and they're like a big red like circle and line through it. They're like, no. It's like laminated so they could do a Sharpie over it to see yeah. like, what if he has long hair like a woman? That's yeah. him. <laughs> what if he has some makeup on? <laughs> But, yeah, an hour and a half of him just staring at this building. Robert fucking hates his brother, and Douglas knows it. And then the psycho just stands in front of his brother's house. Yeah, like, that's... I'm shocked Douglas is still alive. Well, and he ha- the whole family got, like, restraining order against yeah. him. Like, this episode is kind of everywhere. They briefly mention his marriage to Deborah that occurred a couple weeks or so before Susan was murdered. He gave her power of attorney over his money, and then they never even lived together as husband and wife. It was somebody he had been friends with for years who he felt could keep in charge of his money for when he would eventually be arrested for any one of the murders, especially since they had just reopened the investigation into Kathy. So as far as I know, she is still married to him, but they haven't talked in years. Yeah, it was like a weird, like... I guess he just doesn't want any of the money going to his family. Yeah, it was like a weird marriage of convenience that like spousal privilege yeah so we're going back to susan's murder he says he wasn't in california during that time but there's a receipt found that places him there on december 19th yeah and there's evidence he took a flight from san francisco on december 23rd the day they say she was actually murdered weird coincidence but it wasn't him yes he was in california the day but california is a big state and then he wipes drool off his mouth But again, there's nothing that absolutely connects him to this murder until Sareb, who was the son of a boyfriend of Susan's that she grew really close to and raised him. He's going through Susan's stuff and finds a letter from Robert addressed to Susan with the address listed in Beverly Hills, L-E-Y, not L-Y. Yeah, what a weird thing that there is the same block letter style and the name, the word Beverly is Creepy block letter handwriting. So it's very curious, and we both know it just sounds like something a total trickster spirit would do. <laughs> just I like how he's like, uh, you know, when like they're talking about like the letters, he's like, oh yeah, you know, like like the cadaver letter. He's like, oh yeah, you know, with the word Beverly misspelled. And then when he confronts him with like the two letters, he's like, oh yeah, it's a letter to her that I wrote. Like, and Beverly's misspelled. It's like, Bro, you walk right into that. <laughs> like. It's the emotions everyone goes through once they realize this is a very important piece of evidence. Her son that she had been, like, taking care of was like, oh, no, Robert Durst was a great guy. He couldn't have done it. Like, he was taking money from him and, like, visiting him and stuff. Like, he didn't want to believe it because the man's loaded. Yeah. And this leads to the sixth and final absolutely amazing episode of The Jinx. Oh, it was the best. I fucking and love it. And also, can we talk about, like, we'll get into it, never mind. So, I don't know how I feel about this. Their investigative instincts are, let's show Robert this letter and film his response. I like that they didn't go to the police with this. But they know deep down the police really need to be in possession of this. Like, 
Yeah. They're trying to justify what they're doing, and I hate that. Like, yeah, no, they You know what you're doing is they wrong. They should have been charged with, like, withholding evidence. Yeah. Because they absolutely, like, instead of taking it to the police and having it, like, worked into that way, they took it to their own handwriting analysis, mm-hmm. like, expert, and, like, decided to just do it all themselves. Like, that is not your job. But, oh, my God, does it turn out to be entertaining as fuck. Oh, yeah. But we'll get to that. So they're told they need more handwriting samples to be sure it's Robert's. And one document they find is a job application where Robert states he worked as a botanist and made $18,000 a month. (laughs) It's so random. But yeah, he obviously wrote that cadaver note, which must be scary for the film people who have been interviewing him and spending time with him over like a 10-year period. And even throughout all of this, I was shocked that before they even found the letter, they thought he might still be innocent. Oh, yeah. They were like, just like, Insane. oh, whatever. Unless Janine Pirro wrote it to frame him. <laughs> since that lawyer enjoyed blaming her for everything before. So they're trying to get another interview with Robert, who tells them that he's going on vacation to Barcelona or Madrid, but they find out he's been in Los Angeles the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's and, definitely, he was dodging them. Yeah, he keeps blowing them off. And it's weird that all of a sudden he wants nothing to do with them. When, uh, I think maybe because a certain someone who was benefiting from his financial monies and stuff. I wish we like, knew how long this was going on of him just like blowing them off. And yeah, that would have been nice. For all we know, it was like three days. <laughs> no, I think it was over like several months. They're just kind of done at this point since they don't, he doesn't want to have another interview until he's arrested. In 2012 and 2013, Robert's family members saw and received restraining orders against him, claiming they were afraid of him, rightfully so. He was charged with trespassing in New York for just walking in front of townhouses owned by Douglas and other family members. And it's not just the time he did it when they were filming him. He went on another occasion by himself and is caught on whatever security camera was on the townhouse. He went on trial and was acquitted in December of 2014. He's clearly stalking them. How does he just keep getting away? The judge also vacated the 13 orders of protection his family members had taken out on him. Which is outrageous. The idea that these people can't even be protected by the police. He's already violated the orders. Why would you just get rid of all of them? It's bonkers. It amazes me the people who are still defending him and think he's innocent and unlucky. Like, he has three murders connected to him and his family is terrified of him. How do you not think he's guilty? Yeah, his own family. Like, they know who he is. But he finally agrees to do one last interview with them. So they start off showing him old pictures that he had had and then they casually toss him the two notes. He starts off noting the misspellings on both, and he's trying to keep it casual until he, like, realizes, oh, fuck. Yeah. And this is the greatest point in film and television history. The burps. (laughs) (laughs) He has nervous burps, okay? (laughs) See, that's what I thought the first time, but the second time watching this, I think it was more like he's throwing up and he's like trying to keep it down like that's what it looked like so throughout the entire docuseries like you notice the ridiculous blinking right yes okay so that is a huge distraction so like 
But what, what? about just <laughs> burp? Yeah, like, like, burp. The first time I think I was just laughing so hard. The second time I knew what was going to happen. Well, the blinking was pissing me off. Like, so I was I think, so pissed. So I think I realized, like, the second time when I could pay attention that it, it was like he was trying to keep, like, that dry heaving kind of thing. I don't think it was so much burps. It was like, oh, fuck. And just, yeah, he's like, oh, shit, I really shit the bed now. And he's burp. like, I'm throwing it. Oh, I got to swallow it back down. Burp. <laughs> it was so fucking hot. Either way, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> He's just losing it. <laughs> and he insists he didn't write the cadaver note to the police. And he's Even like, though, oh, all block letters all kind of He agrees. It no, looks exactly don't. like his handwriting <laughs> and even the spelling. which one's the cadaver one and which one's not. I didn't write it. I know it looks exactly like but I didn't do it. Who else writes like that? <laughs> block lettering looks the same. No, it doesn't. Your letters are exactly the same as the cadaver one. Like... I thought he was going to run out of the room. <laughs> like, he just gets super squirrely. Um, but he keeps it cool. He has a little bit of small talk. And then he goes to the restroom, still mic'd. They, like, shut the lights off. Like, everything. Like, they're closing well, down. Even during a break in another interview, that lawyer had say, to tell him, hey, you're still, hot mic. Yeah. Shut was, the fuck up. He was talking to himself the whole time, like, fucking lie so you've already been told once dude do not talk when you have a mic on and he's still i like how the the closed captioning when he's like in the bathroom talking to himself the closed captioning says that it's like some water running it was not water running it was the sound of the dude pissing okay <laughs> like don't try and like sugarcoat it but he literally heard that man pee he must have forgotten the advice of the lawyer he goes in the restroom just starts talking to himself there it is you're caught you're right, of course, but you can't imagine. Arrest him. I don't know what's in the house. Oh, I want this. What a disaster. He was right. I was wrong. And the burping. And then he does a weird groan noise like he sat on his balls. <laughs> so, oh. I was like, what the fuck just happened in there? He's pink. <laughs> he continues. I'm having difficulty with the question. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course. Now, his lawyer later states, and it's proven in transcripts, that the remarks had been edited and presented out of order, but fuck that. It doesn't matter which way you present these lines, like... Yeah, like, dude was having some serious heart-to-heart with himself. It's damning. (laughs) It is damning as fuck. And that's how the documentary ends. It's just, it literally is Him burping, sitting on his balls, (laughs) admitting guilt. Normal people talk to themselves in their heads. No, 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 no. Let's talk in the bathroom where it's super echoey and sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, like good acoustics. <laughs> so I'll go over the aftermath as quickly as I can because that could have its, its own lot. episode. The FBI arrested Robert in New Orleans on the same day as the final episode was broadcast on March 15, 2015, which I remember everybody freaking out about, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. A few days before... A first-degree murder warrant had been signed by a Los Angeles judge in relation to Susan's death, and he just happened to be arrested the day, like, the episode came out. Yeah. Um, It was a long time coming. He was arrested at Canal Street Marriott in New Orleans, where he had been registered under the false name Everett Ward. (laughs) He was tracked there because he had made two phone calls to check his voicemail. What a fucking idiot. 
So when they arrested him, he was in possession of a loaded 38 caliber caliber revolver, five ounces of weed, his birth certificate and passport, along with maps of Louisiana, Florida, and Cuba. <laughs> how does he keep getting traveling. guns? Like, I don't understand how he keeps getting guns, dude. You're a felon. They also found a flesh-toned latex mask, whatever that means. Sounds <laughs> fucking creepy. A fake Texas ID card used to check into the hotel, a new cell phone, and $42,631 in cash. They also found a UPS tracking number that led to an additional $117,000 in cash and a pair of shoes sent to him by a friend in New York. How does he still have friends? He hasn't murdered them all. I'm still creeped out by that flesh-toned latex mask. Bank statements found in a home he had in Houston showed withdrawals of $315,000 in little more than a month. So they thought for sure that after the documentary aired, he was going to flee to Cuba. Yeah, on the run. Since we don't share an extradition treaty with him, which, bitch, you had plenty of time to flee the country over the years. Like, why would you wait that long? He keeps getting away with it. Why would he? So there's a back and forth on gun charges because, bitch, you're a felon in possession of a gun. Yeah, you can't have a gun. Feds want to charge him, and Louisiana keeps going back and forth on deciding to charge him. Uh, Eventually, he pleads guilty to the federal gun charge and receives an 85-month prison sentence. So at least he's locked up for some time. Stop giving him guns. That's what I don't understand. So there's a ton of shit just to get to the Bergman trial. Just the normal back and forth arguing over the evidence and blah, blah, blah. And then the defense team needs a break because their homes were damaged from Hurricane Harvey. And then they needed more time because there was too much evidence to go over. And then fucking COVID pandemic. And at this point, his lawyers are admitting he wrote the note, but it just proves he found the body. He didn't murder her. No! Again! (laughs) Again! No one that is innocent does those things. And then they want to delay because he has cancer. One of the jurors was... That's just karma. (laughs) Yeah. One of the jurors was dismissed for ignoring court instructions to not follow the trial in the news during the pandemic break, which, bro, I get that. There's nothing going on during that time. I want to keep up with that shit. You're going to watch the news. You got to find out what's happening. On June 10th, 2021... Robert was hospitalized after being found down and not in his wheelchair. The judge sent the jury home with plans to resume on June 14th. Prosecution expressed suspicion that the defendant was faking a medical crisis to force a mistrial because he was on record in his calls from county jail saying he intended to feign dementia or seek a mistrial due to COVID. Oh my God. You know they listen to phone calls here. Jail doctors determined Robert was able to appear in court after the emergency hospitalization, which was for a urinary tract infection and sepsis. And Judge Whittem reconvened the trial on June 14th. Robert was unable to dress himself. It was in court in a wheelchair, jail uniform, with catheter bag and covered in a large blanket, which that's a great picture. That's like the Golden State Killer just coming into court trying to pass off as an old man. Yeah, bullshit. We saw the video. Yeah, the camera in his jail cell where he's like jumping up around and climbing up and climbing down. Like, mm hmm, you're real disabled. Yeah. Douglas appeared as a prosecution witness on June 28th, 2021, saying he was reluctant to appear at the trial and was doing so under threat of subpoena. (laughs) Douglas was asked about his relationship with his brother. 
quote, he'd like to murder me. I hired security today. I have fear that my brother has threatened to kill me, and I have fear that he may have the means to do so. That's scary. Yeah, when someone has killed three people, it's plausible <laughs> that you might fear for your life. And your brother has known to stalk you. That's yeah. scary. Out and apparently always has a gun. Side of your house. Yeah. On July 29, 2021, the defense team again asked for an emergency halt to the case based on his poor medical condition, saying he wasn't able to testify on his own behalf, but that was again rejected on August 2nd, with Judge Winham getting numerous examples of Robert's competency. The prosecution closed its case against Robert after 11 weeks of presenting evidence primarily consisting of friends and associates of Suman Berman, saying she told him she was the alibi for Robert when his wife Kathy disappeared and that he had done something and she needed to do something and was going to. Mm-hmm. One of his longtime friends, Nick Chavin, testified that Robert told him, I had to. It was her or me. I had no choice. How does he have so many friends? Okay. Starting on August 9, 2021, Robert appeared on the stand for 14 days under questioning from L.A. County Deputy D.A. John Lewin, who gave seemingly endless examples of Robert's propensity to lie. Lewin cornered Robert to the point he admitted while lying while under oath in the Morse Black trial and that he lied five times while on the stand in this trial. On September 14, 2021, the jury was charged with reaching a verdict by Judge Mark Widom. No one tells the whole truth. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it fucking means, you dumbass. Yes, you're under oath. He's like, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell the whole truth. On September 17, 2021, the jury convicted Robert Durst of first-degree murder in the death of Susan Berman. Finally. Oh my god, it took so long. He was also found guilty of multiple special circumstances charges, resulting in a sentence of life, life in prison with no possibility of parole. Finally, this motherfucker is going to serve some time. Over 20 years <sighs> of just like waiting for him to finally fuck up. No, it was nuts. like 40 years from when Kathy disappeared. Yeah. Like, absolutely outrageous that her family had to wait so long and they're never going to get justice for kathy that's what's good they'll never find her body Mm -mm. there's also some other cases police are trying to tie to him look into those they are very interesting the especially the one of the girl who visited his health food store and Mm -hmm. then went missing shortly after standing at a bus stop across from the shop Mm mm-hmm which, like, yeah, he's there was definitely he's a serial killer. Yeah, there, there was, was like, like zero was doubt. the judge who was like, yeah, this was not his first time with the Morris Black thing. No, he has obviously done this before. And then something else I found, it was really weird. In the early 1980s, Robert owned a series of seven Alaskan Malamutes, yes. all of which were named Igor, <laughs> and all of which died in mysterious circumstances, according to his brother Douglas. In December 2014, prior to the airing of the Jinx, Douglas told the New York Times that, in retrospect, I now believe he was practicing killing and disposing of his wife with those dogs. Robert was once recorded saying he wanted to Igor Douglas. Igor. Igor, Igor. God damn it. Robert, however, has disputed the assertion that he owned seven dogs named Igor. He owned three, he said. 
One Why the that fuck was, are you naming the dog the same name? One that was run over and another that died in surgery after eating an apple core. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Before the Igor that lasted forever. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, I I was going to actually bring up that same thing after I had like read that. I was like, oh my god, he wants to Igor his brother? Like, yeah. And we've gone over this part a little bit. In late 1981, while Robert was still married to Kathy, he was nearing the end of a three-year affair with Prudence Farrow, who was also married at the time. Uh, according to the New York Post, a few months before Kathy's disappearance in January 1982, Farrow called her and asked that she give Robert up. As French said, she wanted him all to herself. After Robert was acquitted of murdering Morris Black in 2003, Farrow contacted law enforcement authorities with concerns for her safety, as she said Robert was angry with her for terminating the relationship three days before Kathy disappeared. Which might have been the breaking point. Yeah. And that's it. Is there anything else? Hopefully this guy stays in prison forever. I fucking hate him. I know. I hate that money can buy you friends by your freedom and his family is only like protecting him just so they're not arrested or charged with accessory or yeah they just they want to stay out of it so badly that they did nothing to help (sighs) anyway (laughs) no one's that unlucky he's a serial killer i'm pretty sure he killed other people yeah it wouldn't shock me like i'm i'm pretty pretty sure on that one girl like it's pretty damning i'm just why is that other woman like still married to him she was even like they never lived together they never had a relationship she had a relationship with somebody else that she was living with for years until that guy died yeah and they, i remember they were saying that she was his wife in like his obituary and stuff and then she came out and was like oh i'm not his wife yeah we never really married but like you were basically yeah. more of a couple than you are with this guy no i think it was it's just, just about weird. like Spousal privilege and the money. That's so weird. It's fucked up. So we'll be back next week with another. Have we decided? No, we have not. Oh, no, you did tell me one. I'll have to look through my text messages. I mean, because I can't remember. So <laughs> it was weeks ago. We'll be back next week with maybe another killer or something else crazy. Not as <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You can't see it because, you know, it's just voices, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this weird, weird blinking. God, stop it. And that's the lie blinking. <laughs> no one tells the whole truth, okay? Okay, yeah, you're right. It's that goddamn Janine Pirro. <laughs> Drained them all. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Doc to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find our Facebook group, Doctomepodcast. Thank you.